Hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm Dan Capril, and as I'm recording this, I'm relieved to know that North Korea has decided not to attack the United States. <laughs> you know, it just shows you if you stand up to a bully, they usually will cower, especially when the Chinese said, dude, you make the first move, you're on your own. There's a lot to be learned when you have a situation like this. The fact that logically, something like that would never uh, really happen. But you need to understand the methodology that, uh, that North Korea has always employed historically. And I'm going to try my, my best to be more historical here and not political. Although, you know, I've never been one to shy away from, from the latter. But understand that that regime, going back to the grandfather, um, the original Kim, um, Kim Jong-il, I think his name was, or Kim Il-sun, Kim Il-sun, excuse me. And then you had his son, who was a total nut. And now the, the, the grandson, who seems to be almost as crazy as his dad. Their whole methodology was to hold the rest of the world ransom, simply because they knew that um, they can't support their own people. Uh, they have no economy. They are reliant purely on outside aid. If you've ever seen an aerial shot of North Korea, of the Korean Peninsula at night, you can see the disparity between South Korea, which runs with a free market capitalist model, and North Korea, which runs under a totalitarian communist model. And you know, we all know from history that the, the closest way to poverty is to abandon free markets and to develop a socialist slash communist model. I mean, look at what Venezuela is going through today. So the strategy that the, uh, the Kim family has always had was one where you threaten the rest of the world and in return, the rest of the world will appease you by giving you money and aid and then you go on your way. And of course, you sign an agreement which you break immediately. So if you want to go back to YouTube, there basically every U.S. president going back almost since the Korean War ended has given one speech or another about a deal that they cut to put an end to Korea's aggression, North Korea's aggression. And, of course, the North Koreans always ignore it, and this thing starts up all over again. So I, for one, am pleased that that was not our official response, which was to give them what they want. Instead, our response was, don't even think about it. Don't even try it. And it worked. And I don't think this idiot's going away, but it worked. The reason I'm pointing this out to you is not to get political. Um, it's, it's really more to understand the emotion that can happen when it comes to world events and investing. But, you know, the, the thing about today with, with science being what it is and, and with uh, technology being what it is, obviously if we ever got to the point of nuclear war, no one's going to care about your money anyway. But this thing had a fairly predictable ending. The, the, the truth of the matter is he probably doesn't even have the capability to get a rocket to Guam. So he just, you know, it's just all huffing and puffing. But I thought it was quite interesting. Today, I want to get into some of the questions that you ask me. So I've got three of them here, and I'm going to go into detail with them. The first one is from Lou. Lou lives in Cincinnati, and he says, I've always assumed that I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, but now I'm questioning whether or not that's true. What do you normally see? You know, Lou, if you listen to the show often, you know I talk a lot about the fact that I, I worry that tax rates have to go up in the future, largely 
to meet the needs of the baby boomer generation and the other needs we have as a nation. Uh, there's so much money sitting in 401k accounts that has yet to be taxed, and I am concerned that one way or another, retirees will have to pay more. I think it's a matter of math. I think the demographics are going to require it. The number of working people to retire people, it, the ratio is just too small. You know, it used to be 40 to 1, 42 to 1. Now it's 3 to 1. In about 10 years, they estimate it's going to be about 2 to 1. So that is a real legitimate concern that I have. And I think that as a result, as part of your planning, you need to take some measures to minimize taxation. And that's often by converting some of your tax-deferred assets to tax-free accounts and paying the tax now. You have to do it some balance. But if you do that, you're going to find yourself, in my opinion, uh, to be better protected long-term for some of the volatility that we could see as it relates to tax rates. So this idea of just kicking the can down the road, um, I think that is indeed a little short-sighted. And there's strategies that you can do to employ that. Now, we have an entire kit designed to give you some insights on how to have a tax-free retirement. And it's very simple. Just go to retirementrescuetoolkit.com and you can order that kit right then and there. And it will, send, it will send it out to you. It's a box full of material, book, CD. There's a course that we will email over to you. A lot of great stuff. And that'll give you some of the insights that you, uh, you need to be aware of going forward. So good question, Lou, and I, I appreciate you for, uh, for asking it. Okay, this next question is from Mary. And Mary says, I'm really worried about rolling over my 401k because I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong, create a tax bill for myself. How difficult is this process? Mary, it's not really very difficult. Uh, there's a forms that your employer is going to have you complete. And it's just important that the money be sent to an IRA directly. And if that happens, they'll make the checkout payable to the IRA. The money goes in there. Now, you will receive a 1099 at the end of the year, but don't panic. It, the 1099 should be coded in such a way that it indicates that it was a tax-free rollover. So it's not that complicated. But what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to ask them to send the check made payable to you. I wanted you to ask them to make it payable to your IRA. And the way they do that, Mary, it would have the check would say Mary and then your last name. And then, well, actually, what it would, I take that back, Mary. It would say the name of your custodian. So let's say, for example, you opened an account with XYZ Brokerage Firm. The check would say XYZ Brokerage Firm, FBO, for the benefit of Mary and your last name. And if you set it up that way, and it's just a matter of forms, uh, you don't have to worry about it being taxable. But if you said, send me the check payable to me, I'll put it in my bank account, and then I'll send it to the brokerage firm, yeah, that's going to create an issue. Now, there's a way around that if you move within 60 days, but they're going to withhold 20% automatically. So that's where people make their mistake. So if you're really not certain how to do it, I will assure you, whatever, wherever you're going to put the IRA, they should know um, how to handle this one for you. All right. So it's not an overly complex thing. Uh, understand there's, um, there's a bit of paperwork. Uh, in fact, there's new paperwork now that is being required um, by the Department of Labor that you sign where you're acknowledging the fact that if you roll it out and you work with somebody that you will be picking up his management fee, which may not exist under your current plan. So 
understand that if you're going to get professional assistance, that that's something that you want so much so that you're willing to pay for it. All right. Next question we have is from Murray. Murray's in Fort Thomas. The market has to crash soon. It just has to. Am I wrong about that? Oh, Murray, Murray, Murray. All right. Is it likely that in the future we will have some bad economic news that will cause stock prices to drop? Of course. Of course it's likely. Is it also likely that we'll have good economic news, which will cause markets to go up? Yes, that's likely too. Murray, I don't know what year you were born, but in the year I was born, the stock market was trading around 600, and now it's well over 20,000. That's quite a few doublings. Now, in that time frame, though, we've had several pullbacks, if you will, declines. It's just part of the process. We don't get results in a linear fashion. But what you've just explained here, Murray, or you just demonstrated by your question, is how emotion gets in the way. I have a hunch, based on your question, Mary, that maybe you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for the crash, and it's not coming, and that's frustrating to you. Here's one thing, Mary, you need to understand. Most of the time, you're going to be hurt more by being out of the market when it goes up than being in the market when it goes down because equities can tend to come back as a group. But to say that prices are going to go down to, you know, 8,000 or 9,000, probably not likely at all. So there's always going to be the, the opportunity for bad economic news. And when it occurs, markets will react. But you're never going to know when that's going to happen. You could drive yourself mad trying to figure out when that is. You're never going to know. So don't try to know. Buy and hold a broadly diversified portfolio that'll, that you rebalance as markets shift. So if markets start to go down, you move money from your fixed income into your equities. Markets go up, you do the reverse. And if you do that, you create a more consistent rate of return over time. Now, if you want a little more information on how to do that, because I just kind of vaguely described it, um, call me. I'd love to share some information with you. I'll also send you a copy of a Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Very easy to get a hold of me. It's area code 513-563-7526. That's 513-563-PLAN, P-L-A-N. You can also email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com, and I'll be more than happy to answer whatever questions that you have. But great questions. I always... I'm excited when our listeners send us questions and feel free to send me a question anytime. And if we can, we'll put it on the show as we usually have listener questions about every four times. So until the next time, I'm Dan Capro and I want to thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.